Yo. Yo, man. Where you going? The party was just getting started. Just putting bags in the car, man. Would anyone like tea? No, I'm good. We leaving, actually. Really? Why? Is something wrong? Rose? His dog got really sick, so he has to be at the vet first thing in the morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, how terrible. Rose, the keys. Looking. Rose? What is your purpose, Chris? What? In life, what is your purpose? Right now, it's, it's finding those keys. Yeah. Huh. Fire. It's a reflection of our own mortality. We're born, we breathe, and we die. Rose? I'm looking. Even the sun will die someday. But we are divine. We are the gods trapped in cocoons. Rose. I don't know where they are. Rose! Rose! Rose, give me those keys! Rose, give me, give me those keys. Rose, now! Now, the keys! Oh, 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 be careful, bro. What the fuck? I didn't do anything. What the fuck is going on? Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien! It's all for you! I am the eater of wood. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a horrific installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 73, Get Out. So it's probably about this time last year that we would have originally started seeing trailers for this. Yeah. Don't you think? I remember it... I feel like we went to see a horror movie, and this was one of the trailers. I think Ouija Origin of Evil. Oh! Because I'm pretty sure it was at that one theater in... Phoenix? No, the oh. one in um, West Mifflin. Oh, yeah. Sunny Square. That's right. People are super interested in the local theaters around here. Which theaters we see which movies in? Well, I mean, that's all part of the... Uh, Greatest October in the history of forever as it rolls on and on and on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Hard to believe, though, that this movie came out this year, 2017. Yeah, this is, this, is this the first time we've done something like this, where we've talked about a, a movie that came out the same year? Yeah, Fate of the Furious. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that was a minisode. Mini yeah. For the official <coughs> canon episodes, this might be the first time. Right. Last year we talked about It Follows, but that wasn't obviously this current year, but it was like a modern horror, so we're mixing in a modern one now. Yep. Kind of one of the most talked about, most critically acclaimed films of the year. And we'll jump into that in a second. Um, First, I'd like to say follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod, and we are going to be hitting you nonstop with listener requests starting in November. We've been loving the uh, Twitter interaction. Right. Yes, it's been picking up. The texting's been picking up. Yeah, I think people starting to get involved again. Yeah, well, I think sometimes 
our listeners might not understand how delicate and fragile we are. And we I need did, constant I, I reassurance say, that people are listening and liking the show. I did get a text yesterday, and I can talk about this off the show, but someone just said, Hey, didn't realize the show was back. Can I still do a listener request? Um, officially, the answer to that is no, but right. we'll we, talk there might mic. be some back channel discussion. <laughs> and then, secondly, I guess we'll just say that, you know, last episode was kind of its own weird thing with the novel being read and you know it was a little bit disturbing i don't know if we we maybe we should have done like a listener discretion is advised right actual out loud warning at the start of the show but we kind of jumped into it the show occasionally touches on disturbing passages (laughs) from insanely long novels incestuous situations and um well people know that (laughs) underage group sex in a sewer oh sometimes we go there well i don't know i think you know it was a good time i think some of our listeners maybe were a little complacent and needed shaken out of yeah they needed a little shock treatment wake up call right (laughs) wake up people this is the world but you know it's our it's the greatest october so it's a horror situation and that certainly was horrific yes (laughs) I don't think anyone felt it quite as much as you, though. The look on your face after <laughs> after I read that. I was like Brando in Apocalypse now. <laughs> the horror. The horror. Um, so this one will be like a much more uh, straightforward episode. Hopefully we don't say anything too insensitive for a movie. That yeah, it's a tricky subject, probably. Primarily with race and uh, we're two white guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say that uh, I was watching a lot of clips on youtube and different things kind of just doing some general prep for this episode and like you do kind of feel a little cringy and douchey watching like white guys like interview jordan peele and stuff you know what i mean it's all it's that thing of like uh this movie might be kind of mocking like the people doing those interviews like liberal white people who are just over the top trying to connect oh, with yeah. black people but I'm not one of those guys like that that whole thing it's <laughs> right. just like it's like ugh. but I mean I don't know we'll do our best <laughs> we'll do what we always do well I think it's it's a it's an interesting movie to talk about because a it kind of fits into the horror genre but it's also um kind of a culturally significant topical film um that open to wide acclaim and also yeah. made a ton of money on a really small budget. So I mean Certainly it's kind of a huge wears a lot of hats. I mean it's not just a horror movie. I mean in fact it's not really that scary. I mean there's some thrilling no, parts. Really. Uh there's a little bit of mystery. There's some horror elements, but certainly like kind of the use of the old kind of classical sounding music at times. I I don't know. There's definitely a lot of Oh, and like the visual parts during the hypnosis. There's just a lot of unique things going on in it. And it's just a fun ride and it's funny too. Well, I think one of the big inspirations for Jordan Peele and for the, for this film in particular uh, was the Stepford Wives. It's more like horror in that kind of vein, like yeah. maybe Invasion of the Body Snatchers right. or something like that. More in that genre it kind of has the feeling of like a twilight zone type thing too yeah a little bit okay so let's talk about the cast a little bit i guess to preface this i'd say that um the original idea for get out kind of came from a bit that eddie murphy does or did in in his stand-up special i can't really actually remember which one it'd be nice if i took notes that were useful <laughs> rather than this crap that I wrote I don't, down. Would anyone know anyway? Well, they were big. They were huge specials at the time. But um, I'm just trying to think if I cited like anyone's stand-up special, if someone would be like, oh, yeah, that one. I would say that except for Eddie Murphy. I mean, these were like in theaters. I mean, these Oh, were, wow, yeah. <laughs> this was like, you know, these like were big kings deals. Kings of comedy level. <laughs> Bigger. Yeah, okay. This, the one where he wore the red leather outfit, which is really famous. Okay. But anyway, it, it starts as just like a bit about how in these movies, I think Eddie Murphy's talking about you know seeing the film Poltergeist, because this is like early 80s. Oh, and yeah. 
he just talks about how like black people react would react differently than white people in these movies and how <laughs> like and he his basic the joke is just like you know get out like why don't they ever leave the house right, when right. it's on it or whatever and it kind of sprung from that idea although i mean i can't really say that anything in the the stand-up special directly fits with the film itself but oh, yeah. kind of just like a different uh take on like the regular haunted house or bad situation and how like according to eddie murphy black people would kind of treat that differently than the white people that we see in movies like poltergeist or whatever was yeah, at yeah. the time um and so although even us white people mock the way <laughs> that the family reacts in poltergeist well yeah i think that th- it's funny because like uh, and you know i think we'll try to uh include the uh eddie murphy clip at the end of this episode so that people can hear what we're talking about but he does like he goes on and on about like the the daughter being in the tv set and he just like he goes to the police and he's just like yeah my daughter's in the tv set he's like well didn't you try to help her he's like yeah i tried to change the channel it didn't work so i left (laughs) (laughs) um and so i guess with that in mind uh jordan peele originally wanted eddie murphy for the to play Chris and oh really yeah which I kind of in th- I guess I don't know how long this was like percolating yeah I was gonna in say Jordan how old Peele's is Eddie Murphy right now mine but yeah uh you know due to Murphy's uh age still dating Allison Williams <laughs> yeah um you know I think it was ultimately decided for the best that Murphy was too old for the part <clears throat> and so they gave it to uh Daniel <clears throat> Kaluuya, who's quite good in it. Yeah, a British actor who I guess uh, nailed his audition by like <laughs> doing that single tear cry thing like five times oh, okay. in a row or whatever, which is just insane. Yeah, that is weird. And like in watching some of like the cast interviews and stuff, Alison Williams is just like totally losing her shit, talk, just describing it. She's like so in love with him. <laughs> it's like, calm down. <laughs> She's pathetic. <laughs> She's like, I wish I could act. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She's great. Um, and then, you know, Jordan Peele said of Williams that she was like, quote, someone you knew and had a crush on when you met them at summer camp and that this was a quality he saw the character of Rose Armitage having. I don't know if I... She's like someone that you would have a crush on at summer camp from a distance, went... but would agree with all your friends that she's probably a cold bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you went to like a super nice uh, summer camp and your family had a lot more money. Right. Because <laughs> I can't really imagine being at the same summer camp as Allison Williams. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, daughter of disgraced former news anchor Brian Williams. Um which should be pointed out anytime Anytime she's mentioned mentioned. okay so basically the general idea of the film is um chris is dating rose and he's going to accompany her on a trip to her parents house and meet her family for the first time and now right away just true horror elements for the likes of someone like you (laughs) i mean I mean, you can throw all this racial stuff right out the window. There's enough of a horror movie just in having to meet her family. You are, yeah. <laughs> and Re- stay there. Relationships oh have ended over <laughs> the idea of having to meet I like to drag that out for years yeah. if I can. <laughs> and don't worry. I don't want them to meet my family either. Oh, it's no. Like, why that's do we the have thing. to meet it's each other's families? <laughs> We're just two people out yeah. in the world. We don't have families. What are we going to talk about? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it's... I mean, but truly, I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh, God. It's just like her dad is going to like talk to you. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I can't think of anything worse. Uh, on the way there, they um, hit a deer. And this is kind of a, this is like an, okay, before we even get into that, I guess, um, one thing that I'll say about this film is like everything in it is super layered. And there's always like um, double meaning, double entendre, or clues to like what is about to happen, or it, it's it's a very dense and well thought out script, and it's definitely worthy of multiple viewings to try to pick up on different things that they're saying and what like the double meaning is, or or why certain characters do certain things at certain times, and it seems one way when you watch it straight through the first time, but then 
once everything's revealed in the end and then you go back and rewatch it, you can kind of question the meaning behind certain right. things. And so this, I think one example that kind of fits that is uh, when they're driving out in the country to get to this house and they hit this deer and a bunch of different things kind of come out of this. First, a cop shows up and you kind of get that tense thing where it's like a white cop and he's asking Chris for his license and Rose is insisting. Oh, just completely over the top defense. <laughs> yeah, she's getting like all fired up like he wasn't driving. Why do you need to see his license? And he's just like, you know, that's standard <laughs> procedure, which the co- is I mean, true, by the way. Every time I've ever had any incident with the police, they take every single person's ID. Yeah, I mean, I guess it it just kind of depends on the situation. I don't know. But, um, you know, Chris, of course, is kind of just wanting to diffuse the situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do it. But she's kind of like over the top sticking up for him. And I mean, I think we're kind of working on the assumption that our listeners have some familiarity with this, right? We don't need to like act like there's a big reveal like we're not re recreating the movie right so i don't think so flip it here so then you know once everything is revealed in the end and everybody's intentions are clear you can kind of look back at this and think well it's probable that rose is really freaking out because she doesn't want there, there to be, to be a, tr- a paper trail like if he runs his license through you know whatever search thing they have in their cars the cop cars then there's a record of Chris being with her on the road to her parents' house. Something when that he dis- eventually disappears. Flew completely past me. I was really only taking this as like kind of a goofing on Allison Williams scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> like goofing on the well, whole yeah, they, how over the top she's reacting. Well, on yeah, his they behalf. definitely. Yeah, I think the whole thing is kind of satirical when it comes right. to like the over. I don't know what the right word is, but kind of the over defense of kind of like some of these um, white liberals who are kind of going out of their way to meet black people on like common ground, but in the end are really just alienating them further (laughs) by By not acting like normal people. Yeah. By being totally bizarre. Yeah. Um, But this also kind of uh, is the first indication of a hit and run theme, which kind of develops throughout the picture because we kind of, eventually we'll find out that Chris's mother was the victim of a hit and run. And it's kind of this traumatic event in his life because he was a kid and he didn't really know what to do. And he kind of doubts himself as to like how he handled that situation, even though he was a kid, but you know, you still have kind of lingering doubts in your mind that you can't get rid of traumatic events. And so this is kind of, the first, you know, suggestion of that as a theme, because even later in the film, he kind of like dreams about this deer out in the woods, and it's kind of a creepy, unsettling image. Yeah, and uh, the whole hit and run thing continues to play in all the way through the end of the movie, basically. Yeah, and also when they hit the deer, Chris is shown to have sympathy for the animal, while Rose does not and doesn't seem to care right. at all. Which I do think is a direct. Uh, relation to Allison Williams in real life. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they arrive at the house, and um, Rose's parents are played by uh, Bradley Whitford and Catherine Keener. We have Dean, uh, who's Whitford, and he's a neurosurgeon. Who's that actor? It's like, I know him from stuff, I recognize the voice, but it's like, every time I watch it, I have to look it up. And be like, what was he in again? Because he kind of looks unrecognizable from what he used to look like, right? Who? Her, that, f- her dad? Dean, yeah. The actor. Oh, yeah. He's from the West Wing, and uh, he was in Billy Madison. Right, yeah. But he doesn't really look like that guy anymore. In the woods. Yeah. <laughs> well, people get older. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> but his voice is very distinct and recognizable. Catherine Keener, still looking good to oh, me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean... You want to talk about older actresses like still getting it done, too. I mean, her... IMDb or like whatever filmography, just impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, everyone tries to make Chris feel welcome, but it's very like cringy <laughs> and awkward and kind of these blundering attempts to relate to him. Just the always oh, the Obama 
best president of my lifetime. I would have voted for him for a third time if I could have. Yeah, and I think I was watching an interview with Jordan Peele, and he's kind of like, you know, this isn't this. He's like, this isn't because the interviewer brought that line up specifically, and he's talking like, you know, you know, these things aren't coming from a hateful place, and they're not hateful, but they kind of show this desire or they show that it's a like a weird all, way to try to connect to yeah, someone that, that the first way that you're trying to connect with someone is over their race right and, and it's not pretty presumptuous to person. just say that just because you're black you liked obama i mean i don't think that that's necessarily true oh come on <laughs> <laughs> all right that's one <laughs> Do we have the little bell ding ding <laughs> um so okay so then he meet the first kind of like sign of trouble is meeting the um african-american housekeeper georgina and the groundskeeper walter probably actually the most cringy discussion is when they're walking talking about this and he's like i know what you're thinking old rich white couple uh, black servants. Trust me, man. I don't like the way it looks. <laughs> it's like, oh man. Yeah, it's because yeah, it's just like it's you know if this was theoretically like a real situation, obviously it's possible that these things would enter Chris's mind at some point and maybe be something that he would want to talk with Rose about. But it's but just this assumption to keep like. It's it's oh, I know. the cringiness of this is just that it's everything is constantly kind of being put in his face, but in a kind, gentle yeah, way. Yeah. It's never like some sort of hateful thing, and so it's in a weird way it makes it even more uncomfortable. Because right. I will say that you know a lot of times you will hear people say that like they would rather have everyone's cards out on the table rather than be lied to and. Kind yeah, of that subtle, uh, low key racism or sexism or whatever it might be, but you know what I mean. Like, if you're gonna be like a bigot or a hateful person, the the person on the receiving end of that a lot of times would rather just know. So basically, than to you have, know, than to have to like play this weird game, right? And so, so that's what it kind of turns into. You know, they like the all right more than <laughs> these type of people. No, but it's yeah, just no it, in these kind of situations to just at least know where you stand with somebody rather than right. this kind of weird game, which is kind of what it would seem like to someone in Chris's position. Yes. Because you'd constantly be wondering, you know, like, why are they bringing this up? Why is he w- talking to me about Obama? Why is he calling me my man and all this weird <laughs> my stuff? My man. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, the genius thing about this movie, I think, is actually uh, Rose's character. And, I mean, we've kind of goofed on Allison Williams a little bit. She's actually really great in this movie. Oh, yeah. Because the way that they set this character up is so perfect because throughout the entire film, she's always taking Chris's side. She's getting upset at her brother when her brother starts doing weird shit. And she gets <laughs> Just upset. horrifying, yeah at her parents for saying weird things and he's he's when kind she's of being like, like aware of it too and tries to prepare him for it yeah like she gives him the little she pep mentions talks, the like obama my da- thing yeah and my dad's gonna go be there. so over the top with my man yeah well she didn't know about that well but yeah yeah she because then she's mocking him later right, right. yeah that's something that around in her underwear yeah <laughs> but like yeah i mean she's she's even she's it's almost it's kind of an ingenious thing when you look back at it later because it's almost like by her having this outrage, it's preventing him from getting fully engaged with the situation because at all of a sudden he's having to like reel her in oh, rather yeah. than yeah, think I about know. it for himself because she's like, getting okay, so fired up. They're not up. that he's bad. Like, they're just like, trying to be nice. Yeah, he's like, all right, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, whatever. And then uh, eventually, well, okay, so I wanted to say a couple things about Walter and Georgina. Um, first, Georgina keeps unplugging his phone while he's trying to charge it, which right. is also a weird signal of something yeah, amiss. Yeah. But then um, his interactions with Walter are kind of particularly disturbing. When he first goes out and tries to talk to him, and he Walter makes like a comment about 
uh, Rose, which makes Chris think that Walter's interested in yeah. her. <laughs> and then when you find out like what the real connection between Rose and Walter is, it's even more bizarre, really. Oh, like, yeah. What exactly was going on there? I don't know. But uh, Real eye for talent, that Walter. It's kind of... It's kind of um, interesting because, like, I think my interpretation, like, I definitely was a little off put by Georgina and Walter because it is very obvious that, like, there is a disconnect between Chris and them when it comes to communication. Well, they don't seem like human beings. Right. They seem like robots. But even, like, when. Georgina comes in to apologize about the phone and Chris is like, oh, I didn't mean to snitch on you. And she has no idea what that means. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And he's trying to like explain it to her. And then eventually, I think the way she understands it is maybe like tattle or something very like old fashioned. Yeah. And it's kind of like there's obviously like a disconnect between like the common um, slang of the times that Chris would be using and oh, yeah. kind of this outdated language that Georgina understands. But, you know, based on appearance, she doesn't seem old at all. But even what's supposed to be going on between or with Georgina and the dude whose name's escaping me. Walter. Walter. You know, once it's revealed what's going on with them, I'd still say their behavior is like pretty odd. Yeah, I think... I guess everyone I, assu- that has this procedure... Yeah, I'm assuming that the procedure isn't perfect. Yeah, there still <laughs> There's seems to be weirdness. like a disconnect that you can't really be yourself or act naturally. Yeah, I definitely think that kind of fits with the idea that this is um, influenced, like, that influenced from the Stepford Wives and things right. like that. Where there's, like, kind of this weird, non-human quality yeah, yeah. to the people. So, <clears throat> Walter, who inevitably we find out is really Dean's father, never got over his loss to Jesse Owens uh, in the quali- in a qualifying race for the Olympics, um, and that's you know that explains that bizarre sequence at night when Walter is just running at chris and it's and he veers off at the last second it's kind of like what was that and he's just sprinting at him and i think i guess that's the explanation well, jordan but peele, still is odd well yeah jordan peele confirmed in the audio commentary that uh walter was running at night to try and improve his time because he's constantly thinking about it and now that he's got this new black body <laughs> you he know, might be able to contend athletic body he might actually I guess. Although it's like, is he ever going to be in a real race again? No. Right. And so, yeah, it's it's also that time. But it is kind of weird, though, that he would be running right at him. I don't. Yeah. It it it's kind of I think just done for dramatic. Effect. Yes. It, I guess it kind of became like an internet thing to have people do that, like and film it. I don't know. I was reading. About oh, really? That. Um. So. That sequence is when Chris goes outside because he's having trouble sleeping. He's going to have a cigarette, and this leads to him being Well, the whole thing hypnotized. with him smoking is a part of it. The parents have already brought it up to him because they notice some tick that he does. I can't remember what it is. Right. And, of course, yeah, they... Uh, you they, smoke, Chris? They use the whole thing of, like, acting like they don't really want him to smoke around their daughter when in truth they don't want him to ruin this body right (laughs) that they're gonna take well plus i guess that's the angle that they're able to use to attempt this hypnosis on him yeah um it turns out missy uh rose's mom is a hypnotherapist or you know whatever that is right And, (laughs) and so um I guess she starts to hypnotize him, and it's like that part in Donnie Darko. It just like starts unbuckling his pants, <laughs> talking about having sex with Christina Applegate. Right. It's kind of this whole again, like with the layered meaning and like all this double stuff. This whole thing is kind of interesting too, because she convinces uh, Chris to let her hypnotize him, and Missy uses her silver spoon to quite literally control her subjects. Meaning, like she the 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 object of her control. Oh, okay, is yeah, I didn't notice that privilege and class. I mean, there's all these kind of like double meetings, and then of course Chris falls into the sunken place, and according to Peel, 
the sunken place means we're marginalized no matter how hard we scream the system silences us ah. there's all these right like double layered meanings which i think is part of the reason why this film kind of struck a nerve yeah. and you know garnered all this critical well put acclaim. together working on multiple levels yeah um so i guess from that point forward then um the armitages they i guess that's how you say that i guess that's how they say that the armitages armitage armitage i don't know yeah, that's, a, weird know. that's a bizarre name um it's actually taken from like a lovecraft thing so from that point forward they kind of have this um method of control over chris because anytime she kind of t- taps her spoon against right the saucer, uh, it's like almost cup. rolling it around the edge of it making yeah. that sound yeah he kind of falls into the sunken place but i mean the big sequence i guess is the party does family reunion which i mean what sort of family no one looks like they're related to each other yeah i it's i think they're in a way it's kind of set up to kind of disarm chris even further because it's unclear what this is right rose didn't tell him about it all of a sudden it's happening rose is acting like oh this is the worst i don't want to do this let's just go back now basically yeah we have to have this family party blah blah blah, blah. it's like an annual get together so this is where chris meets logan a somewhat familiar uh, black man dating a much older white woman. Um, now, we've actually seen this character before. Did not click with me the first time I saw this. I don't think it clicked with me like the instant we saw right. him. But I I mean, I think within a few minutes, well, I kind of gathered. Well, that. The character, the movie opens up with uh, a black uh, male character being beaten and abducted basically yeah but you can't really see his face all that clearly it's kind of at night he's walking it's kind of like darkly lit <laughs> right yeah um yeah and, I mean, <laughs> and, and obviously you know whenever it's like a you wouldn't be able to see anybody an unrelated um an un- <laughs> <laughs> you're panicking an unrelated sequence at the opening of a film and then a whole bunch of other stuff unrelated to that happens sometimes it's hard to you know right remember all the details or that's something. true yeah um but yeah now that actor i mean it was... isn't confirmed until later because he does chris eventually snaps a picture of him and sends it to his yeah. friend that actor uh from the movie short term 12 okay good job in that by him um but also various older white couples you know, seem to take like an interest in Chris and, and there's even more uncomfortable discussion generally race related to him. Well, it's a lot him. weirder. It's like a lot of kind of wordplay type things like black is in right now. Yeah. One guy wants to know if Chris golfs and he claims to know Tiger Woods. Oh, yeah. And one woman asks if it's, uh, if it's true what they say about, being with black men is it better you know like the whole thing um well yeah so eventually um in order to i guess send a picture of this logan guy to uh his friend rod chris you know tries to to take a picture of him on the down low kind of sly but for just a a complete rookie mistake here Okay, so, you know, we haven't really discussed this because it's kind of been irrelevant up until this moment, but Chris is like a photographer. And apparently with some level of fame. Well, it seems like him and Rose have like a pretty nice place, presumably in New York City, although it's never... Yeah, I believe it's supposed to be New York City and they're going upstate. Yeah, so I mean... He seems to be doing pretty well from his photography work. It's kind of like a serious thing. He's like a professional photographer. We see him with like a really expensive, legit camera at one point. But then when he tries to take a cell phone picture of this Logan guy... From the hip. He leaves the flash on. Yeah. <laughs> causes like an entire... Who hasn't been there? <laughs> Just completely embarrassing. Yeah, whenever you're taking upskirts. <laughs> oh! <laughs> You're like, God damn it. Oh, the yeah. Whole, Arrested immediately. <laughs> the whole bar lit up. <laughs> like, God, hadn't anyone ever heard of an accident? <laughs> anyway. That causes... The uh, flash, like, cause, uh, kind of 
jolts Logan into like a weird state where he comes running at Chris and he has a nosebleed and he's yelling get out at him. Right. So I Chris think Chris still not getting it after that. Well, I think it's easy once everything's revealed to to interpret this that way, but it it it's so aggressive that you're like yeah. It, if you were that the guy person, does seem crazy. If you were that person, you would interpret that as if he's like mad at you, right? Yelling, "Get out!" Yeah, like, because he took, took a picture. picture of him or something. It doesn't seem like he's warning him of anything yeah, yeah. in that moment. Obviously, later it becomes clear that that's is what he was doing. But you know, although the way they explain it away, not all that believable. Yeah, Dean, because he's a neurosurgeon, is able to offer the diagnosis of an epileptic seizure, which, of course, (laughs) makes no sense. No. (laughs) But Rose is like, this almost in a weird way works to their advantage for this plan, because obviously the plan here is to get Rose to go on a walk with Chris so that they can do this secret auction thing. Because basically, I guess what's really going on is they're all getting a chance to kind of get a little bit of FaceTime with Chris, get to meet him. And then they got to pull them away so they can decide who's going to actually make the purchase. Right. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, later after on like a second viewing of the film, you would kind of notice like, oh, the woman that asks if sex is better with a black man, her husband is barely clinging to life in that frame. And the guy that is interested in... Of course it is. Yeah. The guy... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the guy that's interested in whether or not Chris plays golf was like a former golfer and he, you know, clearly wants to be able to golf again. And yeah. He's just too old. And like these things all kind of click together. Um, but because of the chaos that erupts from Logan's outburst, it kind of serves as like a perfect opportunity for Rose to be like, let's just take a walk and get away from this weirdness. And so and in that time period, that's whenever they have this uh, auction sequence. Now, I will say... And, I mean, you'd have to be pretty dim-witted to not... I mean, you know, slavery is like a huge thing going on throughout the film. And obviously, this is the most on the nose. That yeah, yeah. I mean, there's much more to that as it goes. Now, but, I will say, ridiculous part of this scene, the giant portrait photo that they have of Chris... Where did they get that? That's a little weird. (laughs) Well, we had like a whole discussion because... And it's framed? It was like a nice like frame. They're like, who was framing that? Like, what is this for? This is what like rich high class people do. That's true. What do you want them to do? Staple a black and white thing clipped out of a newspaper (laughs) to a tree? I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, But okay. So one of the people at the party is played by Steven Root and he's a blind art dealer. Who was not obviously not always blind. Just kind of an all around uh, great creep dude, Stephen Root. He can always come out of the woodwork for these roles. <laughs> yeah, he definitely likes to be in movies where there's kind of a racial undertone or overtone or, through the whole thing. Uh, he was or, uh, or a blind guy. Yeah, and he was uh, in True Blood. He was like a gay vampire that uh, gets killed. Yeah. Remember in the early seasons? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So he is familiar with Chris's work, and they kind of have this whole conversation. Uh, He knows Which this is the first part in the movie where we're aware that people would, like, know his work. Yeah, I mean, we kind of get the idea that he's a photographer. We don't really get any indication of how... Because I'll say, when I didn't know what was going on and that part came, I was like, that seems fucking weird. <laughs> well then yeah and then when we were watching the film for this we kind of had the discussion of whether or not chris was specifically chosen for right. this guy like yeah. this guy wanted him yeah, to be yeah. chosen. but then of course there's an auction where everyone else would have a chance yes so it's like well maybe he learned of him and then read up on him i don't know it seems a little the maybe you can nominate people <laughs> <laughs> well obviously we know that Rose's brother, uh, what's her name? What's his name? I don't know. Scary lunatic. Yeah, he um, just an all-around fucking villain. This guy. Well, his way of wrangling, as it's referred to later by Stephen Root, is a much more violent. Jeremy is much more violent and unpleasant, whereas <laughs> Rose's method 
is a lot more fun, but <laughs> yeah, obviously much more time consuming. Oh yeah, you got to dedicate a lot of time because she they're living together. Maybe right? we don't know. Unclear. Okay, it's not necessarily. I mean, she's spending a lot of time. Maybe he I was letting her in there pretty quick. Yeah, all of be. a sudden she's leaving stuff over. Yeah, I don't know. Doing that move. I would have to I would assume that she has another place though. Yeah. Because it's, you know. Yeah, that's got, true. As soon as this wraps up, she's got to start this all over. Again. Oh yeah, and it's like if she doesn't have a place to live. It just it doesn't seem I mean, this is a cool movie. It's well made. It's a great script. Everything works, blah blah blah, but like it doesn't seem super practical no. to have her invest this much time to get people whenever Jeremy can just abduct them in two seconds. Right. Like it, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> but Jeremy is also abducting a guy at the beginning of the movie that she did date, too, right? No. No? No, no, no. So there's not a picture of her with that guy when he finds the pictures? I don't remember. Okay. Maybe you're right, but I don't remember. I was that. thinking that one of the pictures was with him, but maybe yeah, not. Yeah, it could be. That although that doesn't f- jive necessarily with He what broke up Steven with her because Root she was, was too annoying. <laughs> that never, part of the plan she failed. She never shuts up. Yeah. She wanted me to meet her parents. Yeah, fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing that shit. No kidding. Um He was smart. He wasn't going up there. So, I think um before the shit really hits the fan, Rod who is Chris's friend? He works uh, at the, you know, for the TSA. He's kind of working simultaneously as the comic relief and the voice of reason in the movie. Yeah, uh, there are times where I question the inclusion of this character because it's the comedy doesn't always work for me. Not always, but ultimately, yeah. I get it, and it it makes it's sense. Kind of over the top, and then it, you know they work him into the ending in in kind of a fun way. I yeah, guess. that's but, true. Um, yeah, he confirms that Logan is this other guy that he knows because he used to, he, it's some missing person who was an acquaintance of his named Andre. And so that's when Chris also finds photos of Rose in prior relationships with men and women, including Andre, Walter, and Georgina. Oh, yeah. Despite her claim that Chris was her first black boyfriend. So then this sets off the sequence Chris wanting her to get the keys and wanting to leave, which is still kind of weird that he's 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 he never really fully seems to want to commit to the idea that Rose is in on all of this. Oh yeah, well she's played her part well. Then. But at the same time, at, to this point, Chris has no idea what is going on. Oh yeah, I mean he only has a sense of it because he sees the pictures of Walter and Georgina. And at uh, that point, Andre, though, but- it should click with him. That Rose is not on his side. Because she's lied to him. In the theater, I was like, still thinking that maybe somehow she wasn't in on it because of the way they do her character. The yeah, time. no, they do. They do tricked good. me. Yeah, that's true. Me too. And <laughs> I don't know I was what like, I'm talking well, maybe about. Her mom, I'm calling Chris an idiot. I was falling for it too. I was like, well, maybe her mom hypnotized her and she doesn't know. I was thinking, <laughs> like, yeah, up with I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, no like sense. something was off with her but the, yeah that she wasn't in on this and it's because they had laid all of that groundwork of her fighting with the cop of her you know criticizing things that her dad was saying and criticizing her brother and doing all this stuff and seeming so genuine the whole time that when it gets to this point and it's right in your face you're still kind of like we're right I, there with chris yeah i was like i still Rose, don't where are those keys <laughs> and we're like, yeah, Rose, where are those keys? <laughs> Rose. It's a great, that whole sequence is great. Oh, yeah. And, um, well, even like uh, her brother swings like a lacrosse stick at him, which yeah, he and dodges, she, and, and she, she goes, just goes, what the fuck? What are you doing? Yeah. So recently, uh, the producer, one of the producers on the film, Jason Blum, he's produced um, Whiplash, Split, oh. Get Out. Uh, the reader. And wow, now, that's now, now they a, do like a bunch of eclectic mix. cheap horror. Well, he also did like the Amityville horror, the one that oh, Bella yeah. Thorne is in. <laughs> what? Happy Death Day. That movie Day. came out. Ouija, Origin of Evil. Uh, a lot of like low budget horror movies oh, yeah. that have been pretty successful. Made a profit. It's Blumhouse Productions. Anyway, he was on Bill Simmons' podcast recently and he talked about how him and some of the other producers wanted to include. Rose with 
the with the keys, like the saying, you know, I can't give you the keys, babe, in the trailer. Oh, and Jason Peel was like, or Jordan Peel was like, that's the big reveal. <laughs> he was like, guys, I can't. That's I the can't big live twist. with that. Yeah, and they weren't getting it. Like why that would, and. He got his way, Jordan Peele, and it wasn't in the trailer. Oh, good. And of course, yeah. the right decision was made. And, he, of course, now, you know, Jason Idiot Blum. Idiot producers getting involved trying to make decisions like this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think. Although, for them, they're just like, we just want to get butts in the seats. Yeah, we want to make the trailer look creepy and scary and include, like, things that would be hooks to get people in. So, if. if I will say, initial if, thoughts when this trailer came out, I was like, what is this? It seemed bizarre. Yeah, I didn't know what to make of the the early trailer. At first, I was like. The first like, time I saw it, it seemed like kind of a goof. It, it seemed like a very. Um, like, I don't know, a very, like, traditional kind of. Um, almost like PG 13. Yeah, style like there was going to be a lot of, like, jump scares or something, too. Or, like, a cheesy kind of, like. Um, ghost or I don't know something right. like terrible and kind of more generic. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think anybody really was. I don't know if anybody quite anticipated how much how like deep this film would turn out to be. I think on the surface it seems very run of the mill. Well, I remember, uh, you know, it was. I I feel like didn't it, it had a line in the trailer or something that came up that was like from the visionary mind of Jordan Peele or something and you're like from the mind of Jordan Peele. So yeah. I I'm just thinking like oh this is going to be a weird comedy thing too. I remember right. thinking that. Yeah, and I mean this is I mean obviously it's been talked about to death in regard to this film, but I mean this was his first foray outside of comedy and I guess you know he had always wanted to do a horror movie and so Everything kind of clicked. He actually yeah. wrote the script for this, I believe, during the first Obama administration and felt like he was just doing it for himself. There was no way that this was going to be made. Racism is over. <laughs> Everybody was so optimistic and happy. And then, you know, obviously the stuff in Ferguson and all of that and all of those things kind of pushed this back to the forefront in yeah, his mind. so weird. And being like, no, we <laughs> this, this is the right time for this movie to happen. This is still relevant. So it kind of, you know, the shifting mood of the country, you know, certainly seemed to play a part in, yeah. you know, this film getting made when it got made. And a lot of things kind of ended up falling into place for it. Um, it was going to be filmed in California and things kind of, didn't pan out budget wise and all of a sudden they had to film it in just some random place in Alabama. Oh, which okay. made it for me, I think getting to film and even though that was probably cheaper and seemed like a bummer to have to, you know, for the actors to have to go out somewhere weird, not saying that Alabama is anywhere weird, like Pittsburgh would obviously be included in that too when they have to film here, but like, you know, somewhere off the beaten path a yeah, little yeah. bit, but like, I think movies and TV shows and stuff like that, look and feel better when they're like filmed in interesting places and on location than, in general <laughs> like yeah just somewhere different looking right because they don't really ever say where they are much like we talked about it's like yeah they're in new york maybe it and then could it upstate could new theoretically york, like, be kind of be a city and then the rich people living out in the country suburbs anywhere usa basically yeah. okay so once Rose reveals, you know, she's in on it, and everything kind of goes to shit. They're able to inca- incapacitate Chris with Missy's hypnosis. You know, Rod on his end is realizing something is wrong. He's trying to go to the police, but the police aren't taking him seriously because it seems completely insane what he's suggesting. So basically, we find out that the quote family reunion was really um, some sort of a secret society. Um, that instead of, you know, ritualistic, ritualistically sacrificing people, it's actually gathering victims to harvest them for their bodies, and they have come up with this way to swap brains out and yeah, give just, old people a new body to be in. I don't think I was really getting it at first, too. That I, it, I, I didn't really understand that people were giving up their bodies fully. Like, you're giving up your life, basically, to just be put into this new body. Well, it was for people that were really old. Yeah, but then when you're seeing the people at this party, not all of them are that that old. 
Well, those are the ones that haven't crossed over yet. But the, I think for some of them, it it may not always just be age. Like for True. Stephen Root's There's the character, it was the blindness. Uh, the one guy wanted to be able to pr- play golf again. Um, I think the unique twist here is it seems like they have primarily been targeting African-American people exclusively. Like, yeah. that, that's kind of the interesting twist in this film. But, like, what happens to Steven Rue after they take his piece of his brain and puts it into Chris or whatever? His body is just... Probably burned or okay. destroyed or something. Yeah, so Chris wakes up, you know, tied to a chair in a room. This is when... Just sort of a creepy room too yeah tv turns on to fill in the gaps for us and there's a deer head on the wall which is reminiscent of the deer they hit earlier yeah the the tv thing um basically i guess the what chris sees is like an old home video looking thing explaining something called the coagula procedure and this was not originally in the script. Uh, the plan was to have Chris listening to You've Got a Friend by James Taylor over and over and over again. But again, <laughs> budgetary constraints kind of, you know, they weren't able to get the rights to the song. And in the Jeez. end, again, kind of, this you see this a lot with, like, great films. Really up against it for this one. Where luck is always on their side because things that happen end up making it better. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the video that you watch kind of, it fills in all these gaps and kind of adds like kind of terror in that moment because you're like, all right, now we understand what is happening yeah, and it's to fucked the main up. character. And I think... Um, now again, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened with all of this because Rod knows where he is. So yeah. if this procedure worked, where would this have gone then? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, that uh, that begs the question also about um, Rose's methods of finding the yeah. victims for this. There's some holes here. <laughs> if it's just a random kind of abduction set up in some kind of weird way, then you can kind of maybe cover it up easier. But this has well, now this seemingly things- has like a lot. But I guess maybe maybe. Well, it seems like, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of weird that she does use her real name. Because like, I was thinking, well, maybe there's no way for Rod to ever figure out who she was or where she came from or anything about it. But like Rose Armitage seems to be her name the whole time throughout it. So I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that plays on something, too, that I was reading about a little bit that people speak to a little bit this idea of like, if a black male disappears it doesn't feel like they get like the full investigation or like people don't really care the way that they care if like a white female disappears, which I'm all for let's stop searching for white females (laughs) enough with feminism. All right. We need to get them (laughs) off our trail. It feels like the heat is closing in. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, I think uh, because I'm kind of a true crime podcast aficionado, they kind of often refer to, um, Although white female prostitutes not always getting well, the, the best the, searches. See the, the, there's like a scale in America, oh. and the, you have like the dead, the most dead, which are like white women that aren't prostitutes, and then you know as you go down, you have like the less dead, and then the least dead. And the least dead you can be is basically an African American prostitute, which leads to things like the Green River Killer, who killed like a hundred women for like an insane amount of time. Yeah, that's quite and, a run. I mean, I think I'm exaggerating it a little, but it's definitely like it's you know the most prolific serial killer, and like one of the reasons why he was able to get away with it for so long was because there is there wasn't as much you know outrage like nobody was like oh we have to the society was not up in arms like we have to stop this person because it took forever for anyone even notice or care that there was some sort of a trend going on yeah and so that you know by the way it kind of sounds like if if you were to disappear i mean yeah i mean who would notice a b the people that did notice would be applauding (laughs) maybe like finally (laughs) we've just been waiting right um so yeah I, i just wanted to say that um, I think Jordan Peele himself commented on this. I kind of thought of it too while watching it that the 
coagula procedure video that Chris watches is definitely reminiscent of the Dharma initiative videos from Lost. Oh, yeah, I know. That is true. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of figure out what's happening. Um, since Dean is a neurosurgeon, he's like um, basically prepping by cutting the top of uh, Stephen Root's skull off of him and everything. And Pretty gross. And Jeremy's supposed to come get Chris. And I guess... Um, Chris has been like tied to a leather chair, but he's able to like pick. Yeah, this left to mystery a little bit how he's actually able to do this because it seems like the restraints around his wrist would not allow him to get this fuzz into his ear. Yeah, it's kind of hard. I guess maybe because if if he picked enough of the stuffing out of the chair arms, they would then be loose enough the restraints to slip out of and he figured the safest way was to slip back in and wait to see what they were going to do and surprise them by still being awake because the assumption is they end the video like he gets to even talk to steven root's character true which is kind of a weird thing where he's basically like it, it it's kind of funny that the white characters in the film who are involved in this kind of just their Steven Root mansplaining to Chris well, <laughs> what's it's just, going it's, on. It, <laughs> it's kind of like their lack of any conscience when it, when oh, it yeah. comes to this. Like they're, they don't seem to think like there's anything, anything wrong, wrong with what with they're what, doing. If, if anything, Chris should be happy that she was, he was chosen. It's oh, almost yeah. how they're acting. <laughs> yeah. So then Chris is able to like dig that cotton out or whatever it is and stuff it in his ears so he doesn't hear the thing to send him into the hypnosis. And then when Jeremy comes in, he's able to attack him. Hits him over the head with like a bocce ball or something. Yeah, something like that. Just lying around in the basement. Takes the deer head and kills <laughs> Dean with it, which knocks over a candle. Because you you kind of get the feeling, like this isn't just a straightforward science fiction procedure going on this is definitely some like ritualistic some sort of things. occult yeah. situation i think you get little hints of that with some of their decorations in the basement and some of the weird stuff going on but like i think um it's ch- kind of been commented on by peel and some of the other people that like you know there's this whole backstory about what this secret society is and i mean it really isn't developed right. in the film or anything but so the candle gets knocked over, it starts a fire, now everything's going crazy, and then Chris tries to flee, he ends up having to kill um, Missy with, uh, what is that, a nail file? What is that, a knife? Uh, yeah, I don't know, she like stabs him through the hand, right? Yeah, but then he able, he ends up taking it, and... Um, he so, kills her. Yeah, he ends up stabbing her in the eye or something. He's victorious over this old frail woman. So, I guess uh, the thing that I'm reading, the thing on Wikipedia is kind of interesting because it says a slice of each victim's brain remains undiscarded, doomed to their sunken place as the host controls them, which I guess is the explanation for what snaps. um, So, you're kind of stuck in the subconscious, still seeing everything through their eyes, but you're just powerless to do anything. Yeah, I guess maybe so that... I'm imagining that if there was some sort of technical explanation, it would maybe so that like the body doesn't immediately die and then reject the new brain or something. I don't know. That it, could it, be. I, I'm not really sure if there's any kind we'll of. We'll have to ask a neurosurgeon. Reasoning for it. So, as he's about to leave, he has to fight Jeremy because Jeremy gets back up and then he goes outside and then he ends up driving <laughs> yeah, away. Yeah, this fight kind of like spills out into the front yard, down through their long driveway. Yeah, he eventually kills Jeremy too, but then he's driving away and he hits Georgina. And of course, he gets the flashbacks to the guilt over his mother's death. And so he's like, You idiot, but I gotta go back. He decides to get Georgina and throw her in the car, but then she wakes up and attacks him. Well, Rose, it cuts to Rose being like, Get him, grandma, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you know, it's kind of slowly revealed who Georgina and Walter really were. Because Rose and Walter catch up after the car crash, um, but Chris successfully uses his phone's flash to wake up the real Walter, and uh, Walter just takes Rose's rifle and 
shoots her in the gut and then shoots himself in the head. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of just an over-the-top crazy moment. Eventually, uh, they're all kind of fighting in the street. Chris is, like, strangling Rose, but he ends up not killing her. In a pretty hot scene. Yeah. Just full-on choking (laughs) Allison Williams. In the version that was ultimately left in the theatrical cut, he doesn't actually kill her. And then a police car shows up, and it turns out to be Rod, his friend, the T- in a TSA vehicle. And then <laughs> they just drive away. Everything's fine. And then yeah. Rose, Rose dies in the street. Yeah. It's not like there's a whole trail of unanswered questions left in their wake. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no. how do you explain your way out of this? Right. All right, let's head back to town. We On the DVD Blu-ray release, there's a alternate version where he does finish the job with allison williams and kills rose and then and it ends up being the police and not rod that show up and he gets taken to jail right and it ends with rod visiting him in prison right which for all we know may be the end result of the theatrical version too i it, uh, yeah it I don't seems know. hard to believe that you're gonna get away scot-free because how do you he burned all the evidence of this weird surgery that was about to happen so how do you explain any of this yeah i don't know would they ever figure out that he was there I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe they w- there'd be some connection to um, other missing people that had... Because that's the other thing. Like, they took Andre, and it didn't take that many steps to get from Andre to Chris, and Chris vaguely recognized Andre. So right. it's like they're picking from a pretty small... I mean, there are millions of people in the world, and they pick two people that tangentially. I blame knew each Rose other. for her suspect techniques, really. Well, I did like the part of her just googling like top NCA basketball oh. prospects <laughs> and stuff like that. That got like an audible reaction from the live audience oh, in yeah. the theater. <laughs> a lot of reactions in the theater for this one. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, ultimately, more thought provoking than you know actually scary or anything i mean like that. for first time director though i mean it just the flow of it works great again like you said some of it, it never really feels like reality but just some good execution all around that's just your white privilege talking <laughs> that it doesn't feel like reality that's true yeah i mean if you would have told me a year ago that you that i would be like highly anticipating a follow-up horror feature from jordan peele i would have been like what you know, because unfortunately, you don't necessarily associate comedic writers, performers right. with anything else. And when it is, it's usually like Jim Carrey and the Majestic or something, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Not the. I, I don't want to besmirch Jim Carrey's yeah, dramatic performances. He's had some good ones. That was uncalled for. But you know what I mean. Oh, I like, know exactly. Most of the time, it's just kind of like it's not a serious entry really into especially a genre picture because even though horror really isn't taken very seriously uh as far as like awards or mainstream kind of praise and appeal it it take it's kind of like if i don't know like if you were if it's almost like punk rock music you know what i mean like it's it's its own thing and interlopers and outsiders to that and i'm not just saying that because jordan peele is black i I know how that sounds but you know what i mean somebody from the comedy world is going to come in and make a horror movie it's not something that happens often yeah it's like uh, you would think a lot of horror fans would probably not be into that but i guess i I guess like most of the movie going public what if john carpenter was just like yeah i'm making a comedy (laughs) i mean well it would have always been i will say this comedy is definitely the hardest genre Oh, to yeah. make successful. Right. Because there's really only one question. Is this funny or yeah. is it not funny? Right. Whereas like with dramas and other stuff, you can have different feelings and interpretations and all this other shit. But right. like with comedy, there's only yes or no. But so I, I can't imagine John Carpenter would make a funny movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, unless you count They Live. That's true. That's a good point. Maybe he has Unintentional dabbled. comedy. I don't know. Yeah. Um. All right, so that part in Halloween two, where the person just gets <laughs> nailed by that car, that is one of the awesome. most laugh out loud moments of my life. Um, all right, so that'll do it for another installment of the greatest October in the history of forever. I uh, hope you liked it. 
Look for a new mini-sode, or it already occurred. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got lots of things. Look for some new things. How about that? Lots of... We we still got a little bit of stuff planned for uh, the greatest October, and then we'll get to those listener requests. We have a lot of things that we've just pushed to November. Yeah. A lot of mini-sodes and other stuff. So things are going to ramp up as we head to the end of the year. Finish strong. <laughs> yeah. And then it'll be the greatest 2018 in the history. Keep spreading the word. I feel like, uh, you Slowly know. Slowly but surely. I mean. We're finally getting going again, it feels like. I do think that, and this may be hard to believe, but I, I mean, maybe we can talk about it off air, but I do think we probably have more listeners now than ever before. I think that's probably true as well. So that's exciting. Although now after me reading those parts from it, I don't know. But <laughs> Less <laughs> listeners than ever. I think that should bring in more. People yeah. People should pay to hear me read <laughs> Alright, um, that'll do it for this one. And um, keep it creepy. We'll see you uh, next time. She's my witch. Likes to rock to a crazy song Every night she's a waiting on She's a chick with a wicked twitch She is my witch I was watching Poltergeist last month. I got a question. Why don't white people just leave the house when there's a ghost in the house? Y'all stay in the house too fucking long. Get the fuck out of the house. Very simple. It's a ghost in the house. Get the fuck out. And not only did they stay in the motherfucking house and Poltergeist, they invited more white people over. Sitting around going, our daughter Carol Ann's on the television set. I would have been gone. If I had a daughter been down the precinct saying, look, man, uh, I went home and my fucking daughter's in the TV set and shit, so I just fucking left. Um, you can have all this shit. I ain't going to back, back to the motherfucking. Uh, I just came down so when she ain't up at school, you th- don't think I killed the bitch or nothing like that. But she is inside the TV set. You can have all that shit. Like it. Uh, Mr. Murphy, didn't you try to save your daughter? Yeah, I'm a man. And shit. I tried to save. I turned the channel. The shit didn't work. I got the fuck out. Leave. The kid was only six years old in the movie. They couldn't have been too attached to her. Leave. In the Amityville Horror, the ghost told them to get out the house. White people stayed in there. Now that's a hint and a half for your ass. A ghost say, get the fuck out. I would just tip the fuck out the door. They walked and looked in the toilet bowl. was blood in the toilet. They said, that's peculiar. I would have been in the house and said, oh, baby, this is beautiful. We got a chandelier hanging up here, kids outside playing. It's a beautiful neighborhood. We ain't got nothing to wear. I really love them. This is really nice. Get out. Too bad we can't stay, baby. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>